The Ancient Mariner Walton tells his sister, quote, I am going to unexplored regions, to the land of mist and snow, but I shall kill no albatross. Therefore, do not be alarmed for my safety if I should come back to you as worn and woeful as the ancient mariner. Unquote. For ages I have wanted to know this poem, since it's one I hear referred to constantly and admiringly. Just recently, I watched an interview with English professor and eloquent literary enthusiast Mark Edmondson, author of Why Read. In it, he was asked when he first started reading. He says he started by being read to, and the first thing he recalls having read to him was the rhyme of the ancient mariner. His father apparently read it over and over again until he had memorized it. Maybe someone here will be inspired to do the same. So, motivated by the reference in Frankenstein, I've now experienced the rhyme of the ancient mariner, and my conclusion is that its acclaim is utterly deserved. It thrilled me. If you don't already know it, I want to help pave the way for it to thrill you too. Here's what I recommend. I've written for you a summary of the story in this narrative poem, which I'll read to you here. Then, when you have a quiet moment, I suggest you navigate over to YouTube and listen to the poem read masterfully by the great Richard Burton. Turn off the lights, get comfortable, close your eyes, and be swept away by it. That's what I did. I'll include a link in an email and in the Facebook group. Finally, you can go back to the original text to savor your favorite passages. I'll link to an early publication that comes with explanatory notes. When my husband and I listened to this poem the other night, I turned to him and said, How, under such constraints of meter and rhyme, was he able to write in such entrancing and evocative language? I was gratified later to learn that he was praised for just that remarkable talent. In an introduction to the poem, M. A. Eaton wrote, quote, He can invest the simplest words with a music and charm rare in any language. He can paint pictures in three words that have almost uncanny vividness. He can make the marvelous startlingly real, unquote. And Wordsworth wrote, quote, a great number of the stanzas present beautiful images and are expressed with unusual felicity of language. And the versification, though the meter itself is unfit for long poems, is harmonious and artfully varied, exhibiting the utmost powers of that meter and every variety of which it is capable. Unquote. So, here's my summary of the story. I hope knowing it in advance will help you to relish the music, the charm, the harmonious versification, and the uncanny vividness that have made this a poem for the ages. In part one, an ancient mariner detains a man on his way to a wedding feast to tell him his story. The wedding guest is spellbound by the eye of the old seafaring man, and he cannot help but stop and listen. As the mariner begins his story, the wedding guest hears the bridal music, but still cannot pull himself away. The mariner tells how the ship drove fast into a land of ice and fearful sounds where no living thing was to be seen. Then an albatross came through the fog, 
and was hailed by the crew with joy. It proved to be a good omen, as it followed the ship making its way through the ice. Then, inexplicably, the ancient mariner shot the albatross. In part two, he says his shipmates cried out against the ancient mariner for killing the bird of good luck. But when the sun came out, they concluded that the bird had brought the fog, and that the mariner was right to kill it. Then a curse befell the ship. The wind died, and it stood idle beneath the hot sun. Everything about the ship turned to rot, and the men were so choked with thirst they could not speak. Placing the blame on the ancient mariner, they forced him to wear the albatross hung about his neck. In part three, the mariner says he then saw a speck in the distance. As it neared, he bit his arm and sucked his own blood so that he could cry out it was a ship. But the ship moved without wind, its hull was a skeleton, and its crew was a specter woman and her mate, Death. The ghostly woman, who was life in death, cast dice with death for the ship's crew, and she won the ancient mariner. As night fell, all of the mariner's two hundred shipmates, one by one, fell dead. In part four, the wedding guest becomes afraid that he is talking to a ghost, but the ancient mariner says that though they died, he lived on. He tried to pray, but his heart was dry as dust. Then, by the light of the moon, he noticed the beauty of the water snakes, and in his heart he blessed them. At that moment he found himself able to pray, and the albatross fell from his neck into the sea. In part five, he says, the curse was broken, and the mariner was finally able to sleep, and when he awakened, there was rain to slake his thirst. The sky came alive with roaring wind and jagged lightning that never reached the ship, and yet it began to move, manned by a troop of spirits. The ship lurched, and the mariner swooned and fell, and, still unconscious, his soul discerned the voices of two spirits in the air above him. One asked whether this was the man who killed the harmless albatross, and the other said that he had done penance and would still do more. In part six, he says the spirits observed that the ship was fast driving northward, without wind or wave. But when the mariner awoke, the weather had calmed, and the dead crew stood with their eyes fixed upon him. Then the spell was snapped, and the mariner saw the ocean again, but he still felt their frightful presence. A welcoming wind began to blow, and the mariner sighted his own land. Turning his eyes back to the deck, he saw a man of light stand, waving, by each corpse. Then a boat appeared with a pilot, the pilot's boy, and a hermit he hoped would wash away the blood of the albatross. In part seven, the three men approached the ship in wonder and fear, but the hermit said to push on. As they did, the sea began to rumble and the ship suddenly sank, but the mariner was saved in the pilot's boat. The ship went down in a whirlpool as the pilot shrieked, the hermit prayed, and the pilot's boy concluded that the mariner was the devil. The mariner pleaded with the hermit to shrieve his soul. When the hermit asked what manner of man was he, 
he was wrenched with an agony that forced him to begin his tale, and only then left him free. Ever since then, he tells the wedding guest, he must pass from land to land and tell his tale, so that men might learn from his example. He prayeth best who loveth best, all things both great and small. For the dear God who loveth us, he made and loveth all. Then the mariner was gone, having left the wedding guest a sadder and a wiser man. Now go listen to the magical real thing read by Richard Burton. <laughs>